Hello, and welcome to the Federal Contracting Made Easy podcast, where we take the complex world of government contracting and break it into simple steps that any small business owner can master. Now, let me introduce your host, Nancy Byerly. Hello, and welcome to Federal Contracting Made Easy. I'm Nancy Byerly. Today, we're going to talk about limitations on subcontracting for prime contractors. Limitations on subcontracting for prime contractors is an important topic, especially now that the Code of Federal Regulations, known as CFR, and the Federal Acquisition Regulation, known as the FAR, are not in agreement. Let's get into this in more detail, shall we? So let's go into the background. In January of 2013, Congress passed the 2013 National Defense Authorization Act, known as NDAA. It became law. This act made major changes to the limitations on subcontracting. The law changes the way the government determines compliance with limitations on subcontracting for prime contractors. By the way, Limitations on subcontracting applies to service and supply contracts. The old way was formula based upon cost of personnel and cost of manufacturing. It was pretty, to me, pretty simple. The new way is based on the amount paid by the government. Most importantly, and probably the most significant change, was the 2013 NDAA allows small prime contractors to claim performance credit for similarly situated entities. In essence, this would make it easier for small prime contractors to meet his self-performance requirement. A prime contractor could use the work performed by the first tier subcontractor and add it to his self-performance to meet the requirement. Three and a half years later, after the NDAA became law, SVA finally published a final rule implementing these changes. 13 CFR 125.6, and these regulations took effect on June 30th, 2016. As far as I can tell, as of January 2019, the FAR Council has failed to implement these changes into the FAR. So three and a half years later, the 2013 NDA became law. SBA finally submitted a final rule implementing the changes. So if you were to go to 13 CFR 125.6 and you can look, you'll see that on June 30th, 2016, SBA's rules were implemented and put into effect. The Department of Veterans Affairs declared a class deviation incorporating the reference to the SBA regulations almost immediately after SBA regulations went into effect. However, contracting officers from other agencies continued to use the old formulas and did not acknowledge similarly situated entities. No, FAR 52.219-14 applies to small business and aided contracts. For hub zone and non-VA as service-disabled veteran-owned procurements and women-owned procurements, the regulation already specifies these costs. So it just basically happens to be 
small businesses and 8A contractors that are affected by this standstill. So five years later, here we are, on December 4th, 2018, the FAR Council finally took their first major step towards implementing the changes. The FAR Council published a proposed rule in the Federal Register. I did not see that change when I looked um, in January. I did not change. So maybe they've implemented the change. I just haven't seen it. So this results in a lot of confusion because if you're a prime contractor and you're trying to follow the regulations as you're supposed to, which ones do you follow? Do you follow the CFR on one hand or do you follow the FAR on the other? What do you do? Do you follow both? Contracting officers took the position that the FAR clauses takes precedent until they're amended. And however, I've always been taught and the way I was taught when I worked for the government was that the CFR takes precedence over the FAR. So what happens if you have a joint venture formed under SBA's regulation? You have to pledge that you're going to comply with 13 CFR 125.6. How are you going to do that? It is a so hopefully the FAR Council will get these changes implemented very soon. So the proposed FAR changes, let's talk about what changes did the FAR Council recommend? Instead of a mixture of clauses, the FAR Council is recommending consolidating the clauses for all the small business programs. That makes sense. Why should each separate set-aside have its own separate FAR clause to follow? Put them all under one. I totally agree with that. It means that if you're a small business and you subcontract to another small business, they're first tier, and they're your first-tier subcontractor, you can claim their work performance as part of your performance. Here's, here's an example. An 8A company can subcontract to another 8A company and use their subcontract performance to meet their sub to meet their performance expectations. Now I will note you're gonna still have to perform the essential parts of the contract or you're gonna have an ostensible subcontractor rule come into play. And I'm not sure how that's gonna all play out, but that's not gonna go away. That rule's still there. So you're going to still have to perform the vital and significant portion of the contract. And it's something besides just managing the contract, by the way. But that's a whole other topic that we'll be covering here soon. The, pro the proposed rule could change before the final rule. Hopefully, the rule will resolve the confusion for small businesses and contracting officers. In the meantime, I would recommend that small businesses read the FAR, the CFR, and talk to the contracting officer. Remember, you must follow the FAR clauses in your contract. So if your FAR specifies one thing, that's the way you're gonna to have to roll. If it contradicts the CFR, you're gonna to have to follow the FAR. Though you may wanna give your attorney to a legal interpretation on that. But you're going to be held accountable since that's your contract through the FAR. If you're still confused, just like I am, that's why I haven't had this topic up for discussion, I would suggest that you talk to your attorney and, like I said, get a legal interpretation. Conclusion, unfortunately, sometimes the rules are not clear and you must use your best judgment. You will find that clauses pertaining to your limitations on subcontracting in your contract Always read your contract and follow them. If you have any questions, talk to the contracting officer first. If you're still unsure, contact your attorney or somebody else that you know and trust. Remember, I'm not an attorney. I'm providing this information for you. And to the best of our ability, I'm trying to guide you with all this information. That's it for this topic. Please remember to subscribe, rate the podcast. 
If you have any comments, list them below. Anything else that would be greatly appreciated. Until next time, as always, be safe.